0: Well, good evening, Mosaic family. Welcome, welcome. Hey, my name is Kyle Jackson, and I am the worship team leader here. And yeah, y'all come on in, make your way in. We are just excited to have you here on this beautiful Saturday evening. Um, The stage looks a little different tonight, huh? Isn't that exciting? Um, So just, just wanted to welcome you in and set up the evening. We're gonna have a family worship service tonight. And I just want to describe the difference real quick between maybe a program and a worship service. Um, We have children in here to lead us in worship. So join in, take part. Uh, We're excited about what God's doing in this place. So that being said, make yourself comfortable. We're going to have kids crying. We're going to have kids running. And just um, if it's one thing that stresses you out, ask the Lord to give you peace and he will. Um, But just embrace this. Scott said it wisely one time that, the health of of Mosaic is is really tied directly to the health of our families, and I really believe that. So we are just excited to worship together um, tonight. Hey, there is no easy way to make this transition into what I'm about to share, uh, but we are um, standing here in the light, in the wake of a a few tragedies that have happened this month um, with with the shooting in Texas and uh, Buffalo. Um, And we just wanna let you know that we are a church that that mourns with those who mourn and we grieve with those who grieve. Um, And next week, we especially are gonna set some time uh, apart in our service to to really lament what's been going on in our our country and and provide some space for you to process that. Uh, So tonight, I just wanted to give you a heads up that that's coming next week. But we are going to celebrate a lot tonight. And I'm a believer that lament is really the key to to true, authentic celebration. So hopefully we'll experience that in a little bit. I just wanted to give you a heads up. In the light of that, I'm gonna read this liturgy um, from a book called Every Moment Holy that um, helps us mourn um, some national tragedies. So would you just pray with me? And we'll get started in our worship. O God who gathers what has been scattered, Shelter us now in the shadow of your wings. O Christ who binds our wounds, would you be our great healer? O Spirit who enters our every grief, intercede now for this hurting people and for this broken land. Be present in the midst of far-reaching pain. O Lord, for we are reeling again at news of another loss of life that touches us all. News of flourishing diminished, of individuals harmed, pain imposed, not only victims and their families who bear now the immediate brunt of it, but also upon our nation. we are connected as a people, and this hurt and grief touches us all. Be merciful to those now wounded, and be present to those now bereaved. From the chaos of this tragedy, call forth new life and order and flourishing. Take even what our adversary might have meant for evil and bring forth eternal good. You alone have the strength to carry this people, so carry us now, O Lord. You alone have wisdom and power to heal the wounds of a nation, so would you heal us, O Lord. And you alone have compassion enough to enter our widespread grief and turn it into hope. Be merciful, Christ. Amen. Church, would you stand as we worship and celebrate a risen savior tonight?
1: Hey, if you're a kid in the audience, you probably see some of your friends up here. Let's have fun, shall we? Let's have fun worshiping tonight. We're a cool family. I love this family. We're glad you're here tonight, Mosaic family. (laughs)
2: He has done great things. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, you have done great things.
3: Well, hey. How's it going, Mosaic? You guys can have a quick seat. Um, My name's Ashley Covert. I'm the communication coordinator here for Fellowship Mosaic, and I am so glad to have you guys with us tonight. If you notice that the room is a little bit more full, that's for two reasons. One, we don't have our second hour tonight, but two, we have some of the Camp Regal summer staff with us. Can we give them a round of applause? For those of you who don't know, a lot of our Mosaic staff actually used to work for War Eagle, either as summer staff or full-time staff. So we have a particular fondness of Camp War Eagle and the people uh, that serve there. So we are so excited to have you guys. They have just finished up their skills training and their orientation. They are ready for kids. First session starts tomorrow for them. So we are, we are so glad to have you with us tonight, worshiping with us. And just so you know, um, since you have Saturdays as your session break, we do church on Saturdays. We would love for this to be your church home over the summer. Now, we are gonna do a lot of celebrating tonight. First, I'm gonna do a couple of housekeeping things. So we've got our War Eagle staff here. I also need to tell you about uh, a class that is coming up. We are gonna be doing another Align Your Finances with the Heart of God class. If you're unfamiliar with this, it's basically just walking through biblical principles on generosity. Um, this is something that we're starting June 5th and is gonna run through the 17th of July. The cool thing about this class is at the end of it, there'll be a uh, will and trust offered to you to be able to fill out that paperwork and and kind of get some of those financial things in line. We're gonna offer that for free to you guys. That's about a thousand dollar value that we're so happy to be able to just lay at your feet. Um, So that's one thing. Next, like I mentioned, we're only having one service tonight, so we're gonna be in here. And then afterwards, we're heading over to the lodge for food. We have Akimbaro. Um, so we've got the food set up in the lodge. That's right, we love Let some tacos.
4: <laughs>
3: um, so you'll, you'll head through the lodge and then we've got yard games set up in the parking lot like in between the lodge and the training center. So you'll see everything when you go over there. We're wanting the War Eagle staff to eat completely for free. So you guys do not put any money anywhere. This is our treat to you. However, congregational family... If you have a couple bucks to drop in the donation jar, we'd love to be able to offset that cost, so you'll see that when you go through the food line. Now, onto the next bit of our celebration. We are going to have our senior families come up for senior oh. commencement, and I'll pass it off to Scott Jones for that.
1: Hey, if you're a senior and you're two parents, please come on up to the stage. All right, I'm gonna have you guys um, line up right here, seniors, kind of, kind of spread out, you know, and parents stand right behind your senior, okay? Right behind your, right behind your kid, not behind your senior. Um, Hey, (laughs) this guy's always cracking jokes. Um, We have been celebrating our seniors for a while now. We um, have had dinner um, with some some cell group nights with our seniors, and we had cell worship recently, and like prayed over you guys, and and I promise this is the last time. They're like, when are we done already? Or maybe they're like, please don't let us leave. Um, but we just want to honor our seniors in front of our body um, because. This is not just uh, five or, or seven, many more, of our kids going to college or going on to whatever season of life is next. This is us as a body being able to honor them for the ways that they've been involved, for the ways they've grown, the ways they've experienced the Lord shaped them, the ways that they've led a lot of your kids for years faithfully every Saturday. Um, for all the things they've done. And we just wanna send them off to the next season with a lot of joy. And maybe that next season is Florida. And maybe that next season is like starting to lead one of the sixth grade groups and like hanging back around. But we just wanna honor this, this season transition. So we're just gonna go down the line. I'm gonna encourage each senior with a little passage of scripture, hand it off to the dad to pray. Um, and then we'll go back into worship. Eli, you're incredible. Good to see you. I love you a lot. This guy's an incredibly talented baseball player. Um, he has a lot of cool videos that he's shown me, but I'm not gonna talk about that now. Um, uh, Eli, I thought I took a screenshot of this, but I didn't. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When I first met you in middle school, I, I really thought you were set apart um, on the mission trip with the sore kids. In um, services on Wednesday at cell groups, I saw a like a deep passion and desire in you to like live a holy life and an upright life. You would come to me like as a middle school kid and ask like big life questions that had to do with like relationships or friendships or like even God. And I, as I read this passage of the Beatitudes, I think God has blessed you immensely for your hunger and your thirst for righteousness. And I just pray that continues. Um, Michael, go ahead. <clears throat> Thanks, Scott. Is this on? <laughs> it's on.
4: Eli, um, because I think I know your heart, a scripture spoke to me as well for you, and it's First John 2, 6. It says, if your heart belongs to something or someone other than God, you will seek to make an impression. If your heart belongs to God, you will seek to make an impact. I'd like to pray over you. Father God, oh, we prayed for this boy for so long. And I thank you that you gave us the opportunity to raise him in your name. Father, um, he is yours, and we are going to release him, um, and we know that you have him, Father. As this world tries to define who he is, I just pray that he defines who he is through you, Lord, um, with your name and your love. Um, I seek that you are, I pray that you protect him, and Father, that um, we will just continue to parent him as, as, uh, and honor you, and that you would get the glory in his life. Father, we just um, thank you for the opportunity um, to be his parents. We love you, and in the name of
1: Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen, Patrick. Are you about to cry, or are you not? He's scared, everybody. Ben, please, st- please stay standing and continue clapping. I'm kidding, sit down, Ben Radabo, sit down. Um, Patrick, Hebrews 3.13 Hebrews says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think a lot of us, especially our students, can um, say that we know what it's like to be exhorted by Patrick on a daily basis, to be encouraged every time we see him, as long as it's today, um, to have love in our hearts for our brothers and sisters in order to keep us uh, soft and not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Um, God has crafted that into you, brother, and I pray it continues. David?
5: Patrick, uh, your mother and I are so proud to be your parents. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this evening. We want to thank you for blessing us with Patrick. You entrusted him in our hands, and we are very grateful that we have been his parents. He has been a blessing to us. He has honored us. And we thank you. We're also thankful for Mosaic and the student ministry that has supported us in this effort over the years. Those who are on staff, those who have volunteered, those who have led small groups, those who who have ministered to him and encouraged him and have prayed with him. We're thankful for that. We're also thankful that Patrick, many years ago, made a decision, the most important decision in his life, that is to put his trust and faith in you. As he makes the transition to greater independence and to adulthood, regardless of his endeavors, Lord, we ask that he would put you first in his life, that he would trust in you with all of his heart, that he would not lean on his own understanding, that in all of his ways he would acknowledge you and that you will direct his path. This is your promise to him. May he put you first in every aspect of his life, Lord. This we pray with confidence. This we pray with expectation. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen,
1: Max Simmons. The first time I met Max Simmons, I was a college student from Oklahoma and he was a seven-year-old camper in my first session cabin in 2011. And Max was the only kid in that cabin that didn't cry once the whole session. And Max's dad, John, is the best doctor at camp every summer. Um, Max, hi, brother. Proverbs 21, 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, will find righteousness, and will find honor. I kinda chose this because it said honor, and I remember being a part of that man ceremony that your dad did when you turned 13. That feels like yesterday, right? Um, in school, in friendships, um, in family, in community, you've always pursued righteousness. And I think that God has really defined you as a man of honor. I think all the people who know you and love you would say that. Pray that continues, and pray he continues to do that in your heart.
5: John. All right, I'm gonna pray over you, Max. Lord, we just um, thank you for Max and each one of these graduates. Um, Just thank you for the privilege of walking with him over these last 18 years and the excitement of the season that is coming. Um, We just pray that um, Max is able to work out some of the values that we've tried to work in over these last years. Specifically, Lord, we just pray that he would put you first in all things, that he would keep Jesus at the center, that he would choose courage even when life gets tough, that he would embrace teamwork. Lord, we pray that he would finish strong, and we just thank you for his life. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus.
1: And lastly, Emily. Yeah. Hey Emily, Paul tells the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 7:4, I act with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with comfort and I'm overflowing with joy. I feel that toward you but I also think that you feel that toward other people. I have seen all over Instagram, the past like month especially, all these pics of all of our students who are lamenting the fact that you're moving to Florida. (laughs) And I think that they feel the sense of you having great pride in them, being overflowed with joy because of them. You're someone who's like built us up, um, like given us a foundation of like excitement for each other and joy for each other. I pray that continues in your life. David.
4: Scott, Bethany, thank y'all both for what you've done. (laughs) And thank you, Emily, for what you've done. (laughs) Why don't y'all pray with me? Uh, Lord, I thank you for allowing us the privilege of being Emily's parents. I pray now that as she takes her first steps into adulthood that she will always feel the steadfast love that we have for her. And I pray that that knowledge will give her sure footing as she goes out into the world. I also pray that the extraordinary peace that only you can give will, will permeate her whole being and that that peace will allow her to stay calm in spite of the circumstances of life. And finally, I pray that she will always be compelled to be the hands and feet of Jesus to everyone she meets.
3: Amen. All right, if we can have our seniors and families head back to your seat, we're gonna invite the rest of you guys to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. I'm gonna read a scripture over us before we transition back into worship. So this is Ephesians 2, six through 10. And God raised us up with Christ and seated him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus.
6: John
1: Thank you for the identity that you give us, King Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice that solidifies a place in heaven with you, with the Father, with the spirit of the living God for eternity. Our identity is powerful and it is strong and it is only because of you. Thank you. Oh, how we love you and oh, how we need you. Please continue to be pleased by our worship in this place tonight, amen. than our King. Amen. It takes a lot of courage to lead this body in worship especially if you're that age you guys are doing incredible um hey church family it is time to read our offering liturgy together so before um our ushers pass the offering plates around uh let us read this aloud together please O oh father giver of all every good and perfect gift comes from you we ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we could give could match your great gift to us, your Son, and your Spirit. Amen.
6: I was buried beneath my shame. Who could care? Was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to
2: hide. It was
6: Till I may At the weight of your glory. I need a shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was born.
1: You guys can go ahead and take a seat. And uh, while our awesome choir is filing off the stage, um, our very own Abigail Martin is going to read the scripture over us tonight.
7: Hello, hello. My name is Abigail Martin and I get the pleasure of leading a eighth grade girls' cell group. It's awesome. All right, let's read our scripture for tonight. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it will take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves and left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that he had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. All right. This is the word of the Lord.
8: Good evening, Mosaic. It's good to see you guys. Students in the room, is everybody out of school now? Is it summer? I think everybody is. Ours are. Um, The next two and a half months, no learning, right? You can forget it all. No math, no reading. Start back over in the fall. Can can I ask one exception of the students this summer? could, Could we keep learning about Jesus? Maybe that's the one area of our life that we could continue to absorb. The rest we can just flush out and start back over in the fall. We are cruising through the Gospel of John together as a church family. And the first part of this series, we looked at seven I Am statements of Jesus. These are seven identity statements where Jesus reveals who he is and why he came to this earth. The second part of this series, we're looking at seven miracles of Jesus. And you may recall, as we've gone through this section on miracles... We've talked about some of the main purposes behind miracles. That the miracles that Jesus does, they validate his message by showing that Jesus has mastery over both the physical and the spiritual components of creation. That he can speak and things respond. But then secondly, the miracles of Jesus, they emphasize the great compassion and the love that he has for people. Even in the midst of of busyness or stress, Jesus consistently shows us what love and compassion for the people around him looks like. And he does that through his miracles. But then finally, and we're actually gonna be able to see this tonight, the miracles of Jesus, they point to something bigger that God is up to. It's almost as if it, it... helps us take a step back and have a a panoramic view of what Jesus is up to, that God is up to something bigger. Tonight, we're going to continue our study through the Gospel of John by looking in John chapter 6, and we're going to study miracle number 4 tonight. It may be familiar to some of you. It's where Jesus feeds 5,000 or over 5,000 people with akambaro. No, wait, that's us. That's, I forgot, that's us in a few minutes. T- tonight, though, as we study John chapter six, we're gonna unpack these first 15 verses. And if you love to study scripture on your own during the week, one of the helpful ways to sort of outline this passage of scripture that we're gonna look at tonight, there's sort of gonna be four movements through this narrative. First, we're gonna look at the, the, the fickle crowd that shows up, that's following Jesus. Not really following him because they long to worship him or they see him as the son of God or they're hanging on his every word, but really they're, they're following Jesus because they're, they're needy people. And some of them just want to show. But then secondly, we're gonna see how in that context, Jesus is gonna test his disciples' faith. On the heels of that, we're gonna move in to a section where Jesus provides a satisfying meal to the people. And then the fourth part, there in verses 14 and 15, we're gonna look at the idea that, of how Jesus responds to the people attempting to force him into kingship. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter six or pull it up on your device and let's set up the context for what we're about to study. John chapter 6 here is likely 6 to 12 months have passed between the events in chapters 5. Jesus and his disciples, they're attempting to sort of withdraw to the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, which is less populated and more remote. In this moment, Jesus has recently learned of John the Baptist's death And he and his disciples are coming off a season where their pace of ministry has really been full. There's been lots of travels. And likely Jesus and his disciples are in need of some rest and refreshment. Jesus, from a teachable moment, is likely also looking for an opportunity to spend some time with his disciples, helping them process the things that they're learning and seeing and the ways that God is at work in their life. In that moment where Jesus and his disciples are attempting to withdraw, the crowds just keep following Jesus. And we'll see in just a moment that the crowds that are following Jesus, they're not motivated by faith, repentance, and love. Once again, they're needy and some of their motives are not the best. And even as we jump into John chapter 6 tonight, there's a powerful leadership principle on display in the life of Jesus in this passage. It's this idea that as a leader, Jesus, he consistently ministered to the masses while at the same time staying very focused on discipling the core. He had this incredible ability to teach to large crowds of people to perform miracles while at the same time never losing sight of what it was like to disciple a core, a small group of leaders that one day he would entrust his church to. It's at this point that we're reminded that Jesus is a master at multitasking, particularly when it comes to this point of leadership. You know, some of the students or kids in the room, you may be thinking about a moment where you've seen your parents be experts at multitasking. Can you think of a couple moments where, where maybe, particularly at our house, I'll admit Sarah is a far better multitasker than I am. I can come in the door and and she's vacuuming something, reading something on an iPad, talking to two different children while also cooking dinner, and I just walk in, and and you know, and the dryer's running too, and I can just walk in in amazement, and I was even, it sort of exposed, you know, some inadequacy in my own life recently, where I, I found these words coming out of my mouth, where I was trying to cut up some cantaloupe for one of our girls. And I literally, I caught myself afterwards. I said the phrase, I can either talk to you or I can cut up this cantaloupe for you. (laughs) I cannot do both. (laughs) But it was like this barrage of questions. And I'm just trying not to cut my hand off cutting up this cantaloupe. And it it was almost kind of comical when I said it. It was like, surely I could cut up cantaloupe and talk to a daughter. But I I realized my, my brain just, it functions well One project at a time. But here Jesus, once again, is capable of assessing and looking at and ministering to and teaching to the masses. But he never takes his eye off the ball of discipling the core. And what we'll study tonight is a powerful, teachable moment embedded in one of Jesus's most widespread miracles. So let's pick up the story in John chapter six, verses five and six. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do what a fascinating interaction here in verses five and six it's as if Jesus poses a dilemma to test the disciples and whether or not he would consider it beneficial to him in that moment Philip was chosen We don't fully know if if maybe Philip was chosen here because maybe logistics and hospitality and caring for people was a a strong point of Philip. Maybe he was the one that sort of organized things and and would have taken great pride in his ability to sort of oversee logistics and Jesus happens to kind of catch him at a moment where he's not real sure what's gonna happen or how we're gonna pull this off. But nonetheless, here Jesus asks Philip a question. How are we going to feed these people? Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? But notice what verse 6 tells us. That Jesus did this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. You know, there's a, a powerful distinction that we've got to make when we look at this interaction between Jesus and Philip we've got to remind ourselves that Jesus is never going to tempt his followers. He's never going to tempt Philip that would cause Philip to sin. But as we see in this interaction and interactions to come, Jesus loves to test his followers. Why? Because it's in the testing that Jesus' disciples are given opportunities to grow in their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, something that's so fascinating in Scripture is this word test. It, it's filled throughout the Old and New Testament. The, the, the concept of testing in Scripture most often is, is, is the word there or the, the concept that's unpacked. It references mining mining or metal fabrication, metal work. And it's this idea of refinement, of removing impurities so that the desired traits can come through. And it reminds us once again that Jesus is out to develop this core group of disciples. He, he's out to the, develop them into men that one day could become men of peace that they could develop a non-anxious presence that doesn't completely remove all of stress in life. No, actually, the the contrary, or or the opposite is, is the case. Jesus is helping mature his disciples in such a way that in the face of great testing and great stress, they would invite a person into that moment, that they would learn to turn to Jesus for the source, and for the answer. And once again, the reason that this is so important to be developed in the life of Philip and Andrew and the disciples and in our own lives today is because redeeming and restoring disciple-makers was the central focus of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus was much more concerned about producing maturity In the life of his disciples, so that they could become people who could faithfully represent him and lead others towards maturity, too. You see, Mosaic, testing is actually a really good thing. So, notice the way that Philip responds to this test. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half, more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread. For each one to have a bite. So on some level, Philip here, he's kind of failing the test at the moment. Jesus is testing him and the proper response, the mature response would be for Philip to turn to Jesus for the source and to to engage or to realize the test. But Philip, like most of us in that moment, immediately turns to externals of thinking, how can I solve this problem alone? But then in verse eight, Andrew, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Again, Andrew, it's almost as if his answer is it's maybe like a little bit better than Philip's, but still the disciples are looking at the external of how they could solve the problems. But the good thing is they at least bring to Jesus what they have. And then Jesus begins to work and multiply. You know, Mosaic, as we continue to work our way through this narrative, I want to encourage you to imagine the remainder of this story through the eyes of the young boy whose barley loaves and fish were brought to the equation. His name here is not known. In fact, he's not even mentioned later in this passage. But his role is very, very important. In fact, I would argue that this is probably about to be a defining moment in his life where he will see Jesus, the son of God, do the miraculous. Jesus said in verse 10, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. You know, some scholars Estimate that that likely on that hillside there, there could have been 15 to 20,000 people when you account for women and children. In verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. You know, in one of our planning meetings the last couple weeks, as we were unpacking this passage together as a team, one of the team members mentioned that this was likely the most lengthy of Jesus' miracles. You know, in, in some of the other miracles, Jesus speaks and someone is instantly healed. But here, the meal, just imagine the teachable moment from the perspective of the disciples as we begin this passage with a test. How are we gonna feed all these people? And then to watch Jesus trip after trip as the disciples come to him And the food continues to multiply, and everyone on that field or that hillside is fed. And then after the meal, the disciples then go around and gather up the leftovers and come back to Jesus. Just imagine the number of trips that those disciples had to make in that moment, all the while allowing the miracle of this moment. And the power of Jesus and his love for people and his ability to multiply is just sinking in in the lives of the disciples. But then in verse 14, we're going to see an example of of a short-sighted view or response to Jesus' miracle. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet. Who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. You see, in the eyes of the Jewish people, here Jesus is having the ability to tell sick people and even dead people to rise, to get up and to walk and having the ability to feed thousands of people with a small amount of resources. And so the crowd that day, they're not thinking, wow, this is the Son of God, the Messiah, sent to save the sins of the world. No, they're thinking a very short-sighted view of Jesus, that potentially he could be the one that could reestablish the might of Israel and overthrow the Roman Empire. And Jesus, being the son of God, fully man, fully God, was aware of all that. He understood their motives, and he knew what they were thinking. And so rather than have a short-sighted view of this incredible miracle of Jesus, I believe that that as Jesus feeds the 5,000, he puts on display for us his might, his lordship over both the physical and the spiritual realms of creation. He puts on display for us his mercy, his love and compassion for people who even are in pursuit of him for less than righteous motives. But also as Jesus feeds the 5,000 that day, he also displays his ability to multiply. His ability to to take what is small and what is available and to multiply it for his glory. And these three attributes of Jesus would be vital for his disciples to see for what was to come next. You may recall Mosaic a few weeks ago when we were in John chapter 14. Specifically John chapter 14, verse 12, where Jesus tells his disciples, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. You see, it once again in John chapter 14, Jesus is setting up the movement of the local church. Following his resurrection, an ascension into heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit. No longer was the ministry of Jesus to be limited to just one location, but rather the movement and the ministry of Jesus became global and multiplying. A movement that we are a part of today. This invitation to be his hands and feet To be literally the body of Jesus Christ putting on display his might and his mercy and his ability to multiply. You know, this evening, Mosaic, I'd love to invite you just to check out a brief video that highlights some of the ways that fellowship is impacting the next generation of leaders here in Northwest Arkansas through our residency program. It's an opportunity that we as a body have to influence almost 20 leaders for an entire year to hopefully introduce them to the power and the mercy and the culture of multiplication that Jesus has established in his church. Check this out.
3: I wanted to see what it looked like to work for a local church. Fellowship has given me an opportunity to see what it's like to be on a team and work for the church here in Northwest Arkansas.
0: Um, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I grew up in the Methodist Church and had really no experience with fellowship. But something that that drew me to fellowship was that I knew that uh, it was a place I was going to preach God's word and preach truth and that people were going to love and care for me well.
7: The community is just a constant. People are willing to meet up, willing to talk to encourage, be able to process what we're doing in ministry and also just life together.
0: Years ago, my freshman year of college, I had a mentor and friend and also a worship pastor at Fellowship Fayetteville who encouraged me that some years in the future, that there'd
1: be this opportunity
8: called the residency where you get to learn about the gospel, do discipleship and to grow together with some awesome um, former college students.
3: I have grown up in Mosaic in the student ministry since I was a little kid, and I had a resident who was my cell group leader that discipled me and led me through how to walk with Jesus. I've never felt more supported Uh, more challenged um, or more cared for than my team that I work with here at Fellowship. I came into this year thinking I knew what my life was going to look like. The Lord kind of slowly has been just taking all of those things away and showing me what it looks like to depend on Him every single day. I was unsure of what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go after college, and the Lord brought me here. I mean, that was just a testimony to His faithfulness.
8: I'd say the biggest highlight of the residency so far has been, it's not flashy, but just being able to get a taste of what adult life looks like, and adult life in a job context of actually working at a church and seeing uh, what ministry looks like on a day-to-day basis. Being able to learn from, as I've continued to cling closer and closer to the Lord and, and know Him better, I
0: realize
7: The Lord works through Celebrate Recovery in my life. Um, Whenever I was a student, I actually got to be a part of the landing. And so to circle back and work for that ministry now is such a blessing. And just to see the patience and grace that was extended to me and be able to reciprocate that now, it's, it's just the best.
8: Don't let the reason why you don't do the residency be that you don't know fellowship or you're not from the area. It is an incredible honor to be a part of a church that is continually investing in the next generation of leaders. You see that represented on the stage tonight. You see that represented through a church investing in a residency program that is helping develop the next generation of ministry leaders. And hopefully you see that on individual basis all across our congregation through involvement in community groups. And one of the most incredible privileges as a follower of Jesus is to allow Jesus to use our life to display his might and his mercy and his ability to multiply in the lives of other people. God is allowing us on a, a macro level, church leadership level to do that. But then I know in my own life, I see God's might and mercy and a culture of multiplication on display every week on Tuesday nights in our living room as I watch the way that Jesus is at work in the lives of the families there in our backyard and in our living room. I'm a recipient of watching Jesus at work in the lives of these families. And so tonight, Mosaic, our challenge to you, our call to you is how is God using you to display his might, his mercy, and this culture of multiplication? We as a church are here to help get you involved in what God is doing and, and to help you become a billboard for Jesus in whatever leadership platform he's entrusted to your care so that your life could be on full display of the mercy and the might and the ability of multiplication that Jesus alone has. Mosaic, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are. Lord, we're so grateful for your word and its ability to sharpen and encourage and strengthen us. We're so grateful, Lord, for the the vision that it gives our lives and for the, the, the target that it gives the local church and how we're to function and treat one another. And Lord, I pray as your people, you would develop maturity and resilience in our lives in such a way that your might and mercy and ability to multiply would be on full display here at Fellowship and all across Northwest Arkansas as we say yes to you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Amen, will you stand with us and sing one more song?
2: King above all kings This is amazing grace This isn't failing love
1: All sing the doxology together praise god from whom all
8: Mosaic, this week, how are you going to display God's might, his mercy, and his ability to multiply to the people in your circle of influence? That could be a great conversation over tacos tonight. If we can serve you in any way, don't hesitate just to grab one of the leaders here at Mosaic, one of the prayer team members. Maybe you came here tonight and you're in a season of testing that when we looked at that story tonight, you relate to Philip. It's as if Jesus is testing you right now and you want so desperately to respond in a way that displays big faith and trust in him. We as a church, we've got your back. We wanna walk through that with you. And so this week, consider how God could use your life to display his might, his mercy, and his ability to multiply. In just a moment, we're all gonna head out that direction towards the lodge. There'll be two lines set up. You'll go in one door of the lodge. You'll get a plate of food, and you'll go out the back door and sit all over the lawn and enjoy a meal together as we reconnect as a family. Let's let's walk out with this in mind. Let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And the people said... Thanks be to God. We love you, Mosaic.